You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Is anybody ready to get in the Word tonight? Okay, I'm ready to get in the Word tonight. We've been in this series called Squad Goals. And um, I'm just curious, has anybody learned anything fresh about biblical friendship throughout this series? Man, I hope that, I hope that through this series you've been encouraged to, to step up your game, to be the biblical friend that God's called you to be to your friends, to your family, to the people in your life. Uh, I hope that for some of you, God's challenging you a little bit. I hope God's challenging some of us to take, a, take inventory and take a look at the people that are closest to us and pouring into us the most and saying, hey, who are the people that I'm doing life with? Who, who are the people God's called me not just to hang with, but to build something with? Are you hearing me, New Song students? It's been an incredible series. And so tonight we're going to continue with week three. We're going to be starting off in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This passage, I'm going to read the whole thing. It's a little chunky, but I know you guys can handle chunky. Um, We're going to get into God's word tonight. I want to read it to you. This whole passage is going to really set a good foundation for where I feel like God is taking us tonight. All right? Y'all with me, New Song students? I need you to lean in. I need you to follow along. Let's get in God's word. Here's what it says. Starting in verse 16, it says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new has begun. Y'all familiar with that verse? You've heard that before? It's a pretty famous verse. Let's keep going. What does it say? And all of this was a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Okay, this next verse, if you've got a phone with you, highlight it. If you've got a physical Bible with you, underline it. This is huge. Look at what it says. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. He's given us this job of bringing people to Jesus. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Y'all hanging in with me? Okay, this is really good. Check this out. Verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We're Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Woo! That's a loaded passage. There's some good stuff in that scripture that we're going to be diving into tonight. If you're taking notes tonight, the title of the message, it's a long one, BT dubs. This is a long title. It's the best squad is an available squad. The best squad is an available squad. You write that down. I want to give you a second, and then we're going to get into this. But first, let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit in. You want to invite you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father God, we thank you so much for tonight. 
And I thank you so much for this series, Lord, and for, for opening our eyes, opening up our eyes as we dig into your word and bringing truth to our life when it comes to the relationships and the friendships that you've called us to. And God, I thank you that we are called to make an impact in this world through our friends, through our relationships. Just like this verse said, you've given us the task of bringing people to you. And so help us to do that through our friendships. Show us how we can do that with our squad, God. We need your help. We need you here. We welcome you in. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay. I want to read one of those verses one more time, and then we're going to get, we're going to get into the meat of this word. Verse 18, it says this, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. In other words, God's given you and I the job of bringing people to Jesus. Okay, I don't know if anybody can relate to me on this. Hopefully you can. Hopefully I'm not the only person in here. But for me personally, one of the most anxiety-inducing things is when I am given a role that I know I don't have the ability to fulfill. Can anybody relate to me on that? Please show me some hands. Have you ever been placed in a, in a role or been given a task where like you, you don't think you have the ability to actually fulfill it? Is that a scary feeling or is it just me? That's a super anxiety inducing place to be. In fact, I think that one of the scariest things on the planet is not the top of a roller coaster, even though that is kind of scary. And it's not the jump scare in a movie, even though those can also be kind of scary. No, 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 no. I think the scariest thing is being given a task that you actually don't have the ability to fulfill. That's a scary place to be. In fact, that's such a scary place to be that our entire world operates opposite of that. We don't give people tasks when they don't have the ability to accomplish them, right? That would be silly. That would be dumb because... That wouldn't make any sense in our world. Like, for instance, um, if you're trying out for a position on a sports team, where are my sports people at? Where are my sports people at? Raise your hands. If you're trying out for a position on a sports team, maybe you want to be the quarterback on the football team. Maybe you want to play quarterback, and you're trying out, and you don't have the ability to play quarterback. Who's, are they going to put you on the quarterback position for that team? No, that would be ridiculous because in a tryout, they're looking to see if you have the ability to play quarterback, right? Because if they put you on the team, you would fail and you would embarrass yourself and that would just be a sad day. Or how about this? Uh, you know, when you're getting your driver's license, we don't just give driver's license to people because we want to, right? No, you, you take a driver's test to prove that you have the, the what? That's right. You take a driver's test to prove you have the ability to drive a car. We don't just throw people driver's license and say, go have fun, right? That would be crazy. And when you're applying for a job one day, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe a job before high school, but definitely after you get out of high school and into, out of college, you're going to be um, asked, hey, what is your experience in this field? Or, hey, there's, there, we need, uh, you need three years of required experience to get in this field. Why? Because they want to know. If we're going to hire you for this position at this job, you need to have the ability to do it, right? This is how the world runs. In fact, write this down if you're taking notes. 
worldly culture sees your role is tied to your ability. And I don't mean like worldly as in like evil or bad. I just mean like human culture. Worldly culture, we see our roles tied to our abilities. How good are we at these things? If you're good at it, then you get the role. If we're good at this specific thing, then you get the role. Well, now here's the thing. God desires to use your life, New Song students. God desires to use your life, use your squad to, I'm not joking when I say this, impact your world. Like when people see you and your friends and your squad, they should see something different than anybody else around you. They should see an impact being made around you. But here's the thing. So many of us, we come at spiritual things the same way we do worldly things. We come at spiritual things with this idea of my role is tied to my abilities. And so what does that do? Well, that keeps us in a place of comfortability. It keeps us in a place where we don't step out when maybe God asks us to do something or we don't step out in faith because we only want to step out when we know exactly what the outcome is going to be, right? It's because we see our roles as tied to our abilities. But I want to warn you tonight, New Song students. Can I warn you for a second? The unfortunate thing about God is that he loves to give us roles that we actually don't have the ability to perform. And that's really cool. God loves to give you and I roles and tasks that we actually don't really have the ability to perform, which if we're not careful and we see them in the world's standards, we're never going to do them because we don't think we have the ability to do it. It's kind of like this. The other day, Haley and I, we were talking. We had some of our really good friends um, from Tulsa in town, and we were at our house. We were eating lunch, and we were talking about Marlo's birth story. Some of y'all saw Marlo tonight, my little daughter. She's so cute. She's a little sick right now. She's got a double ear infection. Poor baby. I don't even know what that feels like, but it probably stinks, especially if you're 18 pounds. Anyway, we were talking about Marlo's birth story, and, um, and uh, literally, as we were talking about it with Mark and Tori, um, these were our friends, I literally, I felt my heart rate start to rise. <laughs> Like, I started to get anxious just talking about Marlo's birth story. And it's not because, like, it was a bad experience. We actually had a great birth. And, like, having your first kid, for all my parents in the room, is the, it's one of the most incredible experiences you could ever experience. But at the same time, can I be straight up with you guys, New Song students? Having your first kid is also one of the scariest moments of your entire life. I'm not playing. It is one of the scariest moments of your entire life. And I'm not talking about, like, the having the baby part. Maybe for the mom, it's probably a little scarier. It wasn't as scary for me because I just had to watch. But I'm not talking about the having the baby part because, you know, when you, uh, when you get to the hospital, when you first get to the hospital to have your baby, before the baby shows up, you've got all these amazing nurses. Molly does this for a living. And they're taking care of you. And they're doing all this stuff. They're checking in on you guys. Hey, how are you doing? They're supporting you. They're, they're like, hey, this is going to be so good. We're so excited for you. They're making it as wonderful of an experience as they possibly can. And then when the baby starts coming, if you know what I mean, if the baby's on its way, it's kind of scary. It's kind of weird. It's kind of gross and beautiful all at the same time. But you're still, I mean, for me, I wasn't totally scared when Marlo was showing up on the scene because the nurses were still there. So, like, they're doing all the work. I'm just watching. They're killing it. 
And then even directly after the birth, the birth. Sometimes, y'all, I can't talk with this mic in front of me. Directly after the birth, even then it's not that scary because you've still got the nurses there. And they've taken the baby, and they're, like, taking all these measurements and seeing how big she is. And, and then the other nurses, they're taking care of your wife if you're the dude. But then after all is said and done, the nurses play this really dirty trick on you. They play this really mean trick on you where they take you and your brand-new little family over to this other room, and they're like, hey, congratulations. We're so excited for you guys. We'll see you probably, like, in eight hours. And then they never check on you again. And from that moment on, you stepped into a whole new role in your life. You went from being just married to now we're, we're parents now. And dudes, dudes, if you've never changed a diaper before, you go straight from never changing a diaper before to, hey, you better know how to change a diaper because your wife is hurting and she ain't changing the diaper. You are. That's a little scary. It's a little scary. From that moment on, you know, they don't, they don't give you the baby, and then they sit you in the room, and then you have a little workshop, a little class on how to be a parent. They don't do that. They just give you the baby, and boom, from then on out, you are in the ringer. You are now a parent. It's kind of scary. Now, check this out. That's a really scary place to be one day when you're a parent, but look at this. The thing that made me a dad, the thing that made Jackson a dad was not my ability to do dad things because I didn't have the ability yet. My ability to do dad things wasn't there. So what made me a dad? It was the gift I received. The, the thing that made me a dad wasn't my abilities. It was the gift I received. My ability to be a dad didn't dict, wasn't dictated by my abilities to be a dad. And from that moment moving forward, my ability to be a good dad isn't determined by my ability. It's determined by my willingness. It's determined by how willing I am to step into that role. And it's the same thing, New Song students, when you and I step into a relationship with God and he says, hey, we're so excited. This is the Trinity talking to you. We're so excited that you're a new creation. Guess what? Here's your new task. Now it's up to you to bring people to me. And you're like, but I just signed up for the team. And God's like, yeah, I know. It's awesome. And he gives you the role of reconciling people to God. How crazy is that? Now, that can be really daunting. That can be a really uh, anxiety-inducing thing if you see it from the, from the idea of my abilities dictate my roles. But this is not how God works. Look at this. Write this down. God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. God's not looking for your abilities He's not looking at what you bring to the table. He's not looking at how much you've read your Bible today. He's not looking at how perfect your track record has been this past week. He's looking at your availability. Are you willing? Can you say yes? You know, tonight during worship, we sang one of my favorite songs. I hope you dug it. It's one of my faves. It's the song Available. And this is one of those songs that when we sing it, we are making some really bold statements. I know it sounds simple, but when you sing the song Available, you are agreeing with some really bold statements. What did we sing in that song? We sang, I hear you call, I am available. I say, yes, Lord, I'm available. Here I am. You can have not just some of it. You can have it all. Now, it's a song 
that's really fun to sing. It's got a really pretty melody. When Maddie's up here singing it and killing it, it's really fun to sing along with. But what I want you to know is when we find ourselves aligning with a song like this or a scripture like 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think it's important that we understand what, what we're actually signing up for because it's a big deal. It's kind of like when you buy your first house. Some, one day, some of you, you might get to the point where you grow up and you're buying your first house. When you buy your first house and you're sitting down to officially move over ownership from one person to another, they're going to sit you down in this conference room with a stack of papers about this big, and they're going to have you sign your name over and over again like 10,000 times. I remember when Haley and I were buying our house, and we were signing our name over and over again so many times. I was like, I hope I'm not making a massive mistake because <laughs> I have no idea what I'm signing up for right now. And so here's what I want you to know, New Song students. I want you to know what you're signing up for when you sing a song like, I am available. Or when we agree with a scripture like, hey, it's up to me to reconcile people to God. Look at this. Here's what you're signing up for. You're saying, God, you can use me. God, you can use my squad. You can use all of me. You want to make an impact through me? Okay, whatever you want. That's what you're saying. I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What does it say? It says, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So what are we signing up for? You're signing up for the task of bringing people to God. So we're Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. When you're agreeing and saying amen to this kind of statement, what you're agreeing with is the task of representing Jesus to everybody. You're an ambassador now. There's a commentator that I like. You've probably heard me say him before. I read about him a lot with you guys and at church on the Sundays. It's, his name's David Guzik. He says this about ambassadors. There is so much to the idea of being ambassadors. An ambassador does not speak to please his audience, but the king who sent him. An ambassador does not speak on his own authority. His own opinions or demands mean little. He simply says what he has been commissioned to say. But an ambassador is more than a messenger. He's also a representative. And the honor and the reputation of his country are on his hands. An ambassador is a huge role that God and huge task that God is giving you. But if we look at it with the idea of, I don't know if I have the ability to do that, then guess what? You're never going to step out as an ambassador. But New Song students, when you sing a song like this, guess what? God, when you sing a song like, God, use me, you can have it all, guess what? He's going to use you. When we sing a song like, God, use me, he's going to use you. He'll put you in places and spaces where you might not have the best abilities, where you might not think you have it all, uh, all to be able to uh, fulfill the role. But guess what? All he needs is your yes. All he's looking for is your willingness. This is the kind of impact God wants to make through you. This is the kind of impact God wants to make through your squad. But if we're willing to do it, we need to know that we're never going to do it if we look at it based upon our abilities. We have to look, on, look at it based upon God's word. And so check this out. There's a passage. It's a really incredible story about a squad. Somebody say squad. And this is the squad that we should all want to be one day. These guys are incredible. This story is found in Mark chapter 2. And what I want to do is read through this passage and work through it 
and see what it means to truly be available. So check this out. Let's read this. It's chunky again, but can y'all handle chunky? Okay, I'm going to get into this. Here's what it says. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed. Hashtag pack the house. It was so packed with visitors that there was, there was no room. Man, I would love for that to be packed the house. I would love for this to be what happens September 15th. Amen. Even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof. Could you imagine if we were at Pack the House and we're having this really powerful ministry moment and it was so packed that somebody couldn't get up to the front to the altar to pray with somebody. So they're like, hey, I know what we should do. I know how to get to the roof. Let's just go up to the roof and break a hole down and then be like, hey, yo, can somebody pray for me? That's literally what they just did in the middle of Jesus' message. Crazy. Okay, let's continue. Let's continue. Let's see how offended Jesus gets by this act that they did. I'm kidding. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. Whose faith? Their friend's faith. The friend's faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Okay, now, you know, the dudes who lowered him down at this point were like, wait, Jesus, I didn't lower you down. I didn't lower this man down for you to forgive his sins. You're supposed to heal him. What the heck, Jesus? Look at this. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking because Jesus is a boss. So he asked them, what do you question? Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that I am the son of man and that he has the authority on earth to forgive sin. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. This is crazy. So Jesus heals this dude right in the middle of his message. He's like, I don't even care. I'll do it. Watch me do it. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed, praising God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. New Song students, this is my prayer for you guys. That when people see you, they say this. They say what the people said. We've never seen anything like this before. My prayer is that when people come into this service, New Song students, best day of the week, that they say we've never seen anything like this before. My my prayer is that for you and your friends and you and your squad, you make such an impact in your school, in every sphere that God has you, that when people see you guys, they say, there's something different. What has happened here? How are they doing this incredible work? This is my prayer. So how do we do that? How do we make ourselves available like these four dudes? I've got three things for you as we get ready to close. Jay, you can throw on some pad for me. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's our job to bring people to God. It's our job 
to bring people to God. This is what we see with this four, this group of four friends. What I love about these dudes is their availability didn't look like them sitting around hoping, man, I hope Jesus does something. I really hope Jesus does something here. They didn't sit around and just say, man, I hope God comes out of there because he knows everything and heals this dude. And if we aren't careful as Christians, we can tend to find ourselves wanting to make an impact, but our impact is at a standstill because we want him to move, but we also want him to do all the heavy lifting. We want to see God move through us. We want to see him move through our friends, but we also want to just make him, we want him to make it happen through us. But here's what I love about this group of friends. They knew that their friend had a need, and they also knew that Jesus had the ability to do something. But instead of seeing the need and expecting Jesus to do all of the work, for Jesus to do the moving, their first response was to take ownership. These guys recognized that they were given the task of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, bringing people to God. And so what did they do? They picked up each corner of the mat, they took ownership, and they did the work. And I want you to see that they didn't do it because they knew they had the ability to fix him, because they didn't. They knew, I don't have the ability to fix you, but I know who does. And so I'm going to take ownership, and I'm going to get you in front of the person who can make a difference in your life. What I love about these friends is their ability, availability, Availability meant it's my job to take people to God. The second thing we see with this group of friends, and this is huge, and we could take notes from this, we could learn from this new song, students, is we need to be persistent. We need to be persistent. What does persistent mean? It means continuing continuing firmly or, uh, ab- or abstinently in a course of action in spite of, of difficulty or opposition. So these four dudes, they don't just take ownership. They don't just pick up the four corners of the mat and walk. They don't just get to the house and say, hey, Jesus, I'm available. Do something. They get to the house, and when they see that it's too full, what we don't see them do is, I love this reel, this sound bite. Have you ever heard the one where it's like, well, I've done all I can do. Have you heard that one? They don't get all the way up to the house and bring the paralyzed man up to the, room, up to the door and see a full crowd and say, well, I've done all I can do. Sorry, bro. The house is really full. I guess I thought I could help you, but I guess I can't. I'll pray for you, I guess. They don't just stop there. We see persistence in these friends. And they say, oh, okay, there's a, there's a difficulty. We can get past that. There's a roof. We can tear the roof down. We can make this happen. And see, many of us, We find ourselves lacking persistence when it comes to bringing people to Jesus. Can I be real with you guys, New Song students? Some of us, and I've been here before, we find ourselves mustering up our strength to do the big, the big deal thing where you invite somebody to church, right? That can be scary sometimes. And maybe you find yourself finally mustering up the courage to go invite somebody to New Song students on a Wednesday night. And you go up there and you're like, hey, bro, can you come with me to church? And they say no. Or maybe they say, oh, I can't. I'm busy. And then what do we do? We, we're like the people who go up to the wall and say, well, I've done all I can do. I've asked one time. And we're not persistent with our task. 
And here's what I think we can learn from these four dudes, is it takes persistence to get people in front of the presence of Jesus. Sometimes it, does, it takes more than one invite. Sometimes it takes you saying, hey, I'll, I'll buy you dinner afterwards. We'll go to Brahms. Or I'll get you a ride. I'll figure out a way for you to get there. We need to be persistent. You know, there's a story in Scripture, in Acts chapter 4. I'm not going to read it to you guys. It's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. And what we see is Peter and John, they've been preaching the gospel, but they're experiencing some opposition because there's a ton of people who do not want them spreading the gospel. And so there's a, there's a part in Acts chapter 4 where they're getting beat up by the Pharisees. They're getting um, discouraged by the Pharisees. They're experiencing opposition. And so they go home to their home church, and they tell everybody about what's happening. And guess what they do? They say, hey, let's pray about this. And they, in this moment, when they pray, they are refilled with the Holy Spirit and with boldness. And then they go from being discouraged to right where they were, being persistent, sharing the gospel, doing what God's called them to do. And here's what I think we could do. I think if we're going to be persistent, what we have to do is be being filled. We have to stay being filled by the Holy Spirit because he fills us with boldness. And the last thing is this. If you're taking notes, it's our job to bring people to God. We need to be persistent. But at the end of the day, here's what we need to understand. It's God's job to do the healing. It's not your job to heal your friends. It's not your job or your role to fix your friends or to fix that person that you see at your school that you know needs to be here. It's not your, it's not your role. It's God's. And this is why, check this out, this is why when God gives us the task, it may feel like it's out of our ability, but it's really not. Because what he's asking us to do is just be the bringer. We're just the one who brings up that person into the presence of God. And from there, God says, I can take it from here. And what the cool thing is, is the friends, they bring this paralyzed man to Jesus thinking he only needs healing physically. But what Jesus knew is that man didn't just need healing physically. He needed it spiritually. And you have no idea, New Song students, what's going on in people's lives. We think everybody's just good and having a good day, and we have no idea what the Holy Spirit wants to do in a person. And so check this out. When we learn that it's not on us to do the healing, but it's on God, and our only role is to just get people in front of Jesus, we can step out of the way. And we can say, God, you do what only you can do, but use me. This is what God wants to do through us. This is the impact he wants to make through you through your squad, through your friends. This is what's available to us New Song students. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes tonight.